0: Hi, this is Aaron Azrod, and welcome to the 121st episode of the Truth Island podcast. An ideological battle which has been brewing is the idea of whether man exists to serve the state or if the state exists to serve man. In America, we are told one of our greatest virtues is our individual freedom and our ability to seek out the life in which we desire while imposing as little on society as humanly possible. The man, for instance, who can build his own home, grow his own vegetables, think his own thoughts, and requires nothing from anyone else is often said to be the ideal man. According to writer Iron Rand, an individual is a man who says, I will not run anyone's life, nor let anyone run mine. I will not rule nor be ruled. I will not be a master nor a slave. I will not sacrifice myself to anyone nor sacrifice anyone to myself." While many Americans would be quick to agree that America is predicated on rugged individualism, another quote that comes quickly to mind, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country, stated by former president John F. Kennedy, suggests that there are times in our lives where a person must put his own interests behind that of the collective needs. At times, society has asked men to sacrifice their lives, pay taxes, recycle, and commit to endeavors that no man alone can achieve. As Ralph Waldo Emerson put it, no member of a crew is praised for the rugged individuality of his rowing. Indeed, everywhere we turn, we are presented with conflicting messages. A rugged individual is said to be a strong individual, but can also be considered to be a selfish one as well. As many billionaires are quickly finding out, the very same qualities that can lead droves of people to admire you can soon become the very same characteristics that society comes to despise in you. Joining me to help figure out just how rugged we all are, I am joined once again by Kenny. Kenny, let me start by asking you, is it better to be strong and hated or weak and loved
1: it's absolutely undeniably as far as i can see better to be strong and hated than weak and loved
0: (laughs) my impulse is going in that direction go ahead and tell me why
1: well if we look at if we look at you know life through the sense of you know what what is life about well one of the, the last thing that comes to mind for me is life is about having people love you and you know, having people you know admire you and pat you on the back and pat you on the shoulders and tell you know, you've, you've done a good job. I would say that's very contrary, at least as far as I know to what you know, what this what what life presents itself to be about. And so the idea of having the idea of have been, you know, being weak and loved is it, it seems incredibly, um, it, it seems it's, it seems contrary to the way of things. But let me change it up a bit and say, okay, I personally rather be strong and and, and hated, um, especially and especially if you're not. Um, it depends because you can have you can have a strong good man and a, and a strong wicked man, right?
0: Mm. Um,
1: But especially if you're a strong good man and you hate it either way. I mean, I mean, um, people like you have the example in people like Socrates, you have the example in people like, you know, uh, the Christ, you have example in. (laughs) I mean, just about every
0: visionary that we have is hated by some. Henry Ford was, you know, scorned by some critics for like, you know, his working conditions, you know, a, a lot of our... I guess robber barons come to mind, and and they would argue, well, I was just being strong. Having that kid work fourteen-hour days is what uh, you know allowed us to industrialize and allowed us to to pull forward. But there is there is a balance, though. Of is the strength that's obtained worth the hatred of society? I think at some point there is a, a trade off that one makes.
1: Well, it depends. I mean, so it why, why do they hate you? Do they hate you? I mean, do they hate you because of the very nature of just the very fact that you're strong? Do they hate you because you use your strength for, you know, to oppress and, you know, demonize them? Do they hate you because they're jealous of you? Do they hate you because, you know, you are actually a good human being and they can't stand the fact that, you know, that you remind them of things that they're not? so it really it really does depend it depends on it it, it depends on why they hate you because i I'll, I'll never tell anybody to throw away their strength simply because people are jealous of their strength i think that that's not any fault of the man's or you know woman's strength but it's more of it's more of the weakness of the society
0: Yes, now that's actually a great distinction. So I think that if you're the best at something, and I, I think this is something that you said many, many, many podcasts ago, that we have this tendency in our polite society to apologize for the things that we're good at to kind of preface everything like, oh you know I'm not that good at that. this is just something I do on the side you know like we we have this like very false modesty that we're all trained to kind of project so we don't and and the reason that we have this false modesty is so that we intentionally don't face the wrath of envy right if we're too if okay. we're too boastful with our accomplishments and the things that we're proud of, people are going to get envious, they're going to get jealous, they're going to want to tear us down a peg. They're going to want to, you know, be like, well, he's good at that, but not so good in this or whatever, you know, so we have to have we have to kind of put on this false air of modesty. And. I say to hell with that, like if you love yourself and you love your strengths, if your strengths are what uh, makes you who you are, if you believe that you're a good writer, if you believe that you're a good actor, if you believe you're a good philosopher or musician, be proud of that and own it and rock it. Don't denigrate yourself in order to appease Envious people, or like I was reading this one book that suggested that if you have a very special talent or great ideas, make sure to suppress them a little bit. Like, like make sure that you keep it on the down low because no one, no one, you don't want to outshine the master or you don't want to like, um, step on people's toes. And I say that's a that's a oh, lot of that's hogwash
1: 48 laws of power, I believe. Yes, yeah, I, I, okay. yeah,
0: Robert Greene, right? And I couldn't disagree with that more because. I don't give a crap. Like I would rather be myself and just relish in who it is that I am than give a crap about negotiating some ladder or or kind of negotiating the hierarchy of whatever. Like if someone on top says, yeah, this guy's kind of arrogant and I don't really like the way he walks, well, then get rid of me. I I don't really give – I don't don't need to make you happy. I don't need to rule over you. I just want to be who I am. I want to be myself in my – strengths and in my weaknesses and whatnot. So I think that if you're compromising your rugged individualism or the things that make you you to make others happier or less fearful of you or less resentful of you, that's a huge mistake.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I believe so. I mean there's a difference as to back to your earlier example about, you know, the person says you're arrogance. I think there's a difference between a person who's arrogance and a person who's confidence. Mm, yeah. Um, but uh, often to the weak, to the weak mind, there isn't. And to the jealous person, there isn't. To the envious person, there isn't. So when they see you confidence, they think they automatically attribute you, attribute arrogance to you. Mm. And that's because they, they, they're coming from a place of, well, eyes that are clouded with hate can't see jack shit. And so <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> as confucius says no um <laughs> no. <laughs> so i think uh. i think that there's a big difference between conf- confidence says oh i can do it my i i have assessed my 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 um my capabilities i've assessed my talents i've assessed my knowledge and i can do this i know that i can do this and i'm i'm good at doing this arrogance is oh all that, but i can do it better than you right and you can you know and and you can't you can't tell me nothing you can't teach me a damn thing you know mm-hmm. arrogance always has its nose um stuffed up at other people not, um, raised up at other people
0: i always say that like our ar- you know arrogance talks but confidence walks mm-hmm. <laughs> so like y- y- you like anyone who's saying oh, i could do that better or whatever it's like if you're really confident, you wouldn't even say those things, you would just be quietly painting your masterpiece. And then when it's ready, you show the world and, and don't even say a damn bloody word about it. So yeah, no, I I think there you are right, like, um, don't don't be boastful. But I guess if you're, if you are really good at something, you won't even need to really do all that much advertising or PR for it, you'll just do it and then people will naturally be like, whoa, uh, how did you paint like that? Or whoa, how 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 did you do that? Could you teach me that? Or "Or I really admire your work or something. And as yeah. I said, I, th- I think like the best advertising is just a really awesome product. I've, I've come to realize as I get older, I realize that's more and more true. I,
1: I, I believe that. I believe that. I mean, I would say that a majority of the time, um, that's, that's usually the case. Except, of course, if you know, um, you're dealing with people who have no idea how to, um, who are dealing dealing in a world where they have to, they have to play a little bit of the politics, and they're even unwilling to play it. There have been ideas that were how, no matter how good they are, be, because there are certain gatekeepers in the way. They, they never see the light of day because they are not willing to play ball the way the way the gatekeepers want want you know want <laughs> ball to be played um.
0: you know th- this is, now this was really interesting because this was something you know during we talked last week that I you know we kind of dis- I disappeared for a couple months in deep reflection and I did do some thinking about the gatekeepers and and, and, and this other stuff and I realized that if you appease the gatekeepers, there's a price of admission to get past the gatekeeper and that's Mm. selling part of your soul or selling part of yourself away. Right. Because the gatekeeper is going to come into your life and say, well, you know, I, I, you know, you really want to change this up. And, you know, this demographic is more interested in hearing this. And, you know, maybe you should be a little bit more controversial or maybe you should make your episodes, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm just thinking of that, that invisible voice of my head and you can pay the gatekeeper and the gatekeeper is probably right like what they recommend and what they suggest you do might actually attract more followers but then with every you know every gatekeeper that you listen to you're slicing away part of yourself each and every yep. time you know you're like a I, part of yourself is dying and yeah. i've just arrived at this point where it's like i'd rather be a man in his entirety, then you know a man—a man watched by all—but there's nothing left of that man.
1: Yeah, I, I, exactly. So it comes back to, the, to your initial question of: Would you rather be strong and hated? Because you're you're being strong by by resisting the gatekeepers, but they hate you for that. And so what you find is that there's a certain kind of weakness that we there's a certain kind of weakness that a man goes through um, to acquire the love of others, and it's it's incredibly devastating. It's incredible. I mean, the kind of person who wakes up in in the morning and realizes that everything he's ever done in his life has been to either, you know, make his parents love him, make his wife, his kids love him, his friends love him, make his boss appreciate him. And he's never really made a decision because he's a decent, reasonable, thinking, rational, conscious human being. He's lived his entire life trying to please and appease others. And that's an, that's an incredibly weakening thing. It's like kryptonite for man. It's, it's kryptonites. Yes, you know?
0: Man, what you just said reminds me, I was listening to this um, a few days ago, this lecture uh, from Seneca, you know, the Roman Stoic. Mm. And he said that every time you serve a client or every time that you serve somebody else, You're giving away, you think you're not giving anything away, but you're giving away your time. And at the end of your life, you're going to realize, oh my God, I, I completely prostituted my time and myself away to make others happy, when in actuality, they probably didn't give all that much of a crap about you to begin with. And instead, you could have been spending your time doing exactly what it is that you really wanted to do with your time. But instead, you decided to prostitute your time away uh, for fame, for glory, for attention, for views, or what, what have you. And we all kind of actually make these sacrifices every single day. Without even realizing it, every single day that goes by that we're prostituting our time, or that that phrase like selling out, I suppose. You know, I actually think that even if you're not selling out for money, just by selling out, like every time you compromise your character to appease others, you are yeah. actually selling out in some way.
1: Absolutely, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a real thing, and we don't see that because you know it's not the same. It's not the same as your favorite band. Selling out, you know, to Coke for uh, for half a million dollars, or yeah, Whatever right? to do a commercial that has nothing to do with their branding, has nothing to do with the kind of music they make or who they who they represent themselves to be. Well, you do the same thing every day, you know. When you wear certain things to impress your friends, or you say certain things to impress your friends, or you go certain places to impress your friends, or you drink certain things or smoke certain things, who knows? You know what I mean? The point is simply that. And it happens even on a very small basis it doesn't have to be something you know major like oh my goodness I did this drug just to impress my friends, but no something as simple as. Um, saying the right thing at work, the right thing quotes unquote so your boss hears you at the right exact moment is as well wow. wow, Vanessa you've been you've been. uh impressive these days you know like no well not really you don't really believe half the things that are coming out of your mouth you don't really <laughs> believe in the policies you know if you had if you had a choice you'd probably burn that building down to the ground but here you are playing this politic game politics <laughs> game, and you're and you feel real shitty about it you know yes yeah.
0: you know man this is absolutely right and when, when you think about work for example i feel like if you you know, there's this saying where it's like, if you do blue collar work, your body aches. Mm. If you do white collar work, your mind aches. And if you do no work, your bank account aches. <laughs> 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 and and like there's there's a tax be paid, but You know, when I was younger, I worked a lot of like physical jobs, right? Lifting boxes, you know, moving stuff, cleaning toilets and so forth. And I would look at the white collar workers, but man, look at that comfy, nice chair that that guy's sitting in and gets to go to his Starbucks and get that, you know, latte, whatever garbage. And yeah, but I realized that that white collar work actually comes at a price and it comes at the price of you actually sell part of your soul because when you're in those meetings right you're agreeing to stuff that you don't necessarily believe to be true you're you're servicing a client you're servicing a boss you're you're servicing you know i think of the lawyer that's well compensated and that lawyer might be defending a client that they actually don't really believe in. Like they, they could care less about their claim or their case, but that client is paying a, a crap ton of money. And they're like, oh, yeah, 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 of course, of course. You make a, you know, you have a reasonable case here. We're going to take this before the judge of the second circuit and do what, you know, like, but do you really believe in that? Is this Are these the things that you would die on a hill for? And when we think about life, there are so many times that we just, Naturally, make that sacrifice without even thinking. It. It's like we're conditioned to just keep our mouth shut and make that sacrifice, but it really starts tainting the soul after a while. I think, I think a part of yourself gets corrupted. You know, it's that old saying that if you wear the mask long enough, the mask actually becomes who you are.
1: Yeah, it's it's very painful. It's very painful. I think often i think a lot of people feel this this disintegrity this ripping apart of yourself from yourself it's it's very painful so i I think that i don't think that many people have the courage and the strength it takes until of course they're fed up usually people come to this point in their life where they're fed up you know like Mm oh was was it was a, it's usually old people you know what i mean they, they don't care anymore they have nothing to prove to you yes you know? and, yes and kids kids do the same thing at least to a certain extent to a certain point so it's like a one to four maybe five year old who just says exactly what they're thinking and they have no filter whatsoever <laughs> but <laughs> eventually we start learning these filters and social cues and so what the society demands of us which which is understandable there are certain things that we just need to keep under wrap. there are certain things there are certain things of the soul things of the of the inner workings of the, of the mind and the heart that that do need to be expressed and do need to be acknowledged even if, if it's just by you
0: yes and and that's I, I, I was really thinking about, you know, the, these filters in life, I was like taking a walk. And I remember, like, I was just, I love wearing like sweatpants, for example. Mm-hmm. And I just love wearing undershirts. Like, I just don't give two craps. You
1: bum. But yeah, right. I like, like that.
0: And it was funny, because I used to wear sweatpants to school. Like when I was in high school, like I didn't give a crap. I would just wear sweatpants. And I had this like one friend that would be like, come on, man, like wear some, you know, like some nice, like dark jeans or something, you know, don't you want girls to look at you? And eventually I kind of caved in a bit and started wearing, you know, but what I realized is that like, I'm actually, you know, my, my girlfriend said something interesting to me. She said, when I'm sitting here and podcasting in my undershirt or whatever, I actually am the most natural version of myself. Like this is actually who I am, like some dude in sweatpants and an undershirt. That that is my like natural manifestation of, of who I am. And yeah. when you're dressing up and when you're putting on these societal filters. The societal filters is what you wear, it could be what you say, it could be what you do because let's be honest, if any if you ask anybody wearing sweatpants is probably the most comfortable form of clothing that you can possibly wear. Anything uh, yeah. else, anything else that you're wearing is to kind of appease others. You're just trying mm. to make other people happy. And in actuality, they, they probably don't, one, care all that much. I don't know why that friend was so obsessed with what I was wearing in high school, but mm. you know, whatever. <laughs> I think that's like a, like an unnatural kind of, you know, and, and may, may, maybe he had like some insecurities of himself and he was projecting them onto me looking back, but I I think it's
1: high school. Everybody hasn't.
0: Yeah, of course. Of (laughs) course. You know? So I, I think that becoming yourself, like the, the earlier you become yourself, the better off you're going to be. And I actually think that people will, people actually love me a lot more when I'm myself than, than when I put on the filters, you know what I mean? Like, again, maybe in a work situation, they don't love me so much, but in the in the areas in the arenas of life where it really matters, people do love you when you're not ashamed of your strengths, or you're not ashamed of of who it is that you are, because they, they see that happiness, they see that glint in your eyes, and they see that happiness in you, and you're you're actually of much more service to others when when, when, you, when you are in that self-actualized state.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I think the right people will absolutely love you for it, and because it's something that everybody everybody wants to be themselves and they really want to feel they want to be they want to feel that freedom that comes with being an actual an actual human being yes you know an actual a person with integrity who is the same no matter where they
0: are exactly okay now i kind of want to shift focus to another element is let's say you're really strong at something. You're really good at something and you've overcome that hurdle of like dismissing the haters, dismissing the jealous folk. But then there's a legitimate concern where what happens if you're extremely profitable at doing something, but you're not very charitable with your talents, you know, like I I do think that there could be point in which a person does accrue a lot of wealth and, most people don't accrue a lot of wealth just with their own two hands. Usually, you know, if you own a factory, there's a hell of a lot of people working for you or uh, people working in warehouses, people, you know, building things, scientists that are, you know, doing research and develop for you. So, you know, any, any billionaire who says, I'm a rugged individual. And I'm like, really, did did you, you, you're the, you go into the factory all by yourself and build all this. Yeah. Okay. So I think there is a point in our society where, You have a lot of talents you have a lot of strengths it may not be wise to be stingy with those talents and i think there is a legitimate voice and there's a legitimate guilt that that can kind of you know even the bible i think speaks a lot about charity you know i was researching for this episode i saw so many passages of scripture of where wealthy people should be charitable and help those that are in need and i think that's a much more legitimate criticism of like it's okay if you have talents that you ruggedly developed on your own, but if you're in a position to kind of give back, you know, it's, it's not, it's, we don't live in this like social Darwinistic world where it's every man for himself.
1: Well, charity is always a good thing. Um, I don't see, I do believe that it would be good. It would be the ideal world, but it would be good if, you know, people who did wonderfully in their, you know, whether it's their businesses, whether it's their, um, expression of talents, um, Uh, inheritance whatever it may be things that have made their lives how you say much easier their finances you know um, improve their financial situations and all that um, to be charitable to those who are around them Mm -hmm. unfortunately we don't live in that kind of world but before let me say this rugged individualism is actually the best place to be for um, for charity and let me explain now I, I I saw an interview with Denzel Washington where they were asking him a question about you know the racial situation in America. Yeah, and he's he said they were asking. He said, you know, what do you think would be? I, I, I can't quote the interview verbatim, but what the 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 the, the, um, the idea was simply, what do you think would be? What kind of policies do you think that could be put in place to help the racial division in America? And Denzel's Denzel's um, answer was brilliant. He says, you can't legislate love mm, yeah. in the sense of you can't make love a law. That makes no sense. The very nature of it being love means that you must have a choice to do it or not to do it from your innermost being. That's what makes it love. So I think it comes, is the same thing here for a person to be actually charitable. It means that they have to be actually individuals because If they're rugged, quote unquote, rugged individuals, it means that they are taking time, you know, taking time and thought within themselves to actually consider you and do something for you. So rugged individualism is actually the best place you want to be as far as I can see um, for an actual expression of charity because charity by nature is also an expression of love. It's not something that should be forced upon a person but rather expressed by one's own choice.
0: I I think that's quite brilliant. And and it's brilliant on a number of different levels. First off, if you are dependent on someone else, it's really hard for you yourself to be charitable. So for example, let's say I'm sleeping on some dude's couch, right, I don't have a place of my own. Yeah. Am I really in a position to turn to someone else and be like, "Well, I don't really own this place. I'm kind of like bumming on this guy's couch, but you, you can sleep on the floor, right?" Am, am I in a position to like just offer someone else's apartment up for grabs when I myself don't have an apartment? Probably no. not, right? So, <laughs> I, I think from a for, from a very practical standpoint, th- those who are still are still lost in the link of dependency. Can buy their they can be charitable in some ways, but not in all ways, right? Because they all, have, exactly. they have a limited they have a limited capacity to offer it up. You know, a guy okay. a, a guy who has a million dollars is in a much better place to offer someone charity than 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 someone who has you know a hundred dollars in their bank account and they really need that yeah. for dinner for the next week or so. And that that's a really that's a really good point. I think where it gets dangerous though, mm. and I think that this is one of the problems that we're having right now, though, is I do think that, and this is a kind of a hangover from the late 19th century, early 20th century, is that we do have some incredibly wealthy people who believe that their wealth was solely generated through their own efforts, through their own merit. Um, You know, they, they don't ever credit like the teacher that helped them read. They don't credit you know, the mentor that that helped taught this. They don't credit the parent that read to them at night. They don't credit the society that made this computer lab available to them or the scientists that like were on the cutting edge of that technology and they were the one missing link that put it over the hill. And I think that the danger comes for those people who are highly accomplished and, and are in a position to put charity to kind of say, hey, I kind of got here on my own, like was 100. I climbed this mountain 100% by myself, and it's only fair to expect everyone else to do the same. Like, like it's only fair. Like, there's no, you can't really compel me to help anybody. And I agree with what Denzel Washington said that if you legislate um, this thing, if you force somebody to like, you know, empty out their purse or whatever, yeah, you know, we can do that, but they'll do it begrudgingly, it's much better if they naturally have a proclivity or natural have that that natural inclination to give back. I'm wondering because you know I I hear a lot about, you know, you know, right now it's definitely in vogue to tax the rich and all this other good stuff. I'm wondering if there's a way to naturally create that sense of like giving back and maybe maybe creating a sense of empowerment to those who give back in some way. So that like if we do raise taxes, like the, it's done It's done through, through um, acceptance and not through reluctance, you know? Like I, I think there's yeah. perhaps some way that we can have a conversation with these billionaires. There's a way that we can kind of have a conversation with our most successful people, people who would label themselves rugged individuals and be like, all right, you're right. If, if we force you to do this and you don't fully understand the merits of what you're doing, you're going to become resentful to the society that you're a part of. I'm wondering if there's some, some way that we can talk with these people and, and get them to understand that once you have a lot, it's natural to kind of want to give back.
1: Yeah. I mean, I can understand that. I mean, the desire to talk to them or to have things, you know, to have... To have them see and understand, I, I can understand that, and I feel that sometimes, but I don't think it's possible. And here, here's why: I don't, I don't want to be the Debbie Downer, but as far as I can see, now, if you can see, if you see things differently, please let me know. Yeah, I think, I think that people, especially those who have, you know, who have that mindset of "I built everything from the ground up with my bare hands," it's like, okay, calm down, boomer. It's, it's. Um... <laughs> so I think. I think that people who who have that kind of mentality, they do actually see themselves as the orchestrator of their own success. And to a very large extent, they actually are. It takes a certain kind of man, it takes a certain kind of um, understanding to look at the history of your success. So for example, your parents who birthed you, your teachers, like you mentioned earlier, your teachers who had taught you, the books that you were um, afforded to, um, um, that you afforded to buy, the people who wrote those books, the the opportunities maybe after school that you know a certain friend brought forth to you, and that you know that got you to wherever you are. I mean, all kinds of things play into. If we if we were if we were totally, I mean, to the extreme individualistic. I mean, just individualistic um, a- agents. We would, be plan- we would be floating in midair, naked. <laughs> because right. because we, we, the, the very ground that supports us is, I mean, it's necessary. It's not a living entity, at least as some might say it is. But as far as I know, it's not a living entity. It's, but it is something that supports us, the clothes on our backs. Weren't made or stitched by our own hands. They were stitched and made by someone else. And I think that I think that it takes a certain kind of mind to not only acknowledge that okay, to a reasonable extent, I did build I did build my wealth. But there um, I have a whole history. I have a whole you know a whole arm, um, armada of people who were made themselves available through one means or the other to help me get to where I am. Now, that's not, that's not always the case. There are some people who are like that. I would say there are very few. But even, even if there are, even if, but even if, you know, I'm, I'm those kind of people I believe are kind of already, dis, you know, naturally disposed to, you know, giving. Um, but if you're trying to deal with the people who are absolutely convinced that it is their wealth, no, no, there is no, there is no force in hell or in heaven that can rip money out of their hands or out of their pockets and very well i i thought i think that's perfectly fine because it's the only way that i can see people like that changing is an is an entire change of an entire change of their nature their hearts their beings there has to be something that works in from the either from the from um um it has to be i mean i've never seen i've, I've rarely i've rarely I've only seen it once I believe. I've rarely seen a person get into an argument and change their mind even when presented with actual evidence and facts. It's just it just doesn't happen because the ego is always involved and we're not really arguing for the sake of the idea. We're arguing it's almost like a it's like an ego battle. We're arguing for the sake of our own school and we're arguing for the sake of our own dignity. So when we lose, we don't really admit we lose. We just look for another way to undercut and insult the the opponents and that's just the way of human beings this is our nature so when it comes to money i think we're twice as deadly and so often it would it would take something on a it would take something on a very actual uh, uh, something catastrophic something i mean something we're talking something big for a human being to change his mind naturally and give freely to others with joy. It's just, it's just, it's just not in our nature. It's just, I should I say, it's just not in the nature of many of us. And uh, it's, it, it, I would say, it's highly impossible.
0: Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know if I can refute what you're saying, but maybe, maybe I can slip through the cracks just, just a little bit. And you know, I, I'm thinking of this quote from Aristotle that you know, the man that can live in 100% solitude is either mad or a god. And I, I think no matter how wealthy you are, there comes a point where where there's some 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 period of reflection of, well, what is what is what is my legacy or what what how does the world view me? I think there's some there's some yeah. creeping thoughts that that enter everyone's mind. And I would say like the two times that I can think about in in history where this has happened is, you know, in ancient Rome, the, the, you know, a lot of people pursue some form of Adulation or some form of accomplishment, which they think has social credit or social value, right? Like a lot of our goals and a lot of our aspirations come from, like, well, what does this world value, right? That's why, yep. and th- that's why everybody chases money because people chase money because they know that it's literally social currency. If I have a lot of money, people will value me for having that thing that everyone values. If people <laughs> if, if, if people stopped valuing money well then who the hell is going to pursue it if if, every, if if money was something that was that we hated or we found disgusting then people would stop pursuing it So I think to some degree the society does set the we set the bar of what it is that we value versus the things that we don't value and in ancient Rome we actually you know the people who built, um, public works like public bathhouses; those rich people were loved by their community. So, if you were a wealthy person, people loved you. They were like, "Oh, you're, you're you're you know you're so generous and you're so kind. Thank you for building this public shower for all of us to kind of get in here." And that actually made it kind of trick the rich person into giving more because they 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 had this addiction towards being loved, and they had this addiction towards fulfilling a role that society loved. And if the Romans would have turned to those rich people and said, give us your money, we want to build that that bathhouse. If they would have like pushed that guy against the wall, he probably would have fought back. He probably would have bit, he probably would have embezzled his money in some other fund or whatever. But the fact yeah. that society created that like love, that, that, that built in love of like, we'll love you if you trade up your money and build up this bathhouse. It actually worked and i think it also worked the other time that this worked was in the early 20th century where i guess a rockefeller or a carnegie or vanderbilt could look forward to having their name on some kind of library and and feel veneration and feel love for that i think in that case there was more pressure and more like, oh, you're just being a stingy, you know what, like you need to pay up right now. And, and I don't think we get the best outcomes. But I think returning to that Roman model, where it's like, we're not, we're not pushing your back against the wall. But maybe if society started praising and loving people who gave more, that would kind of create, because these people are highly competitive right and if they see that this other man is getting all of this love and praise for being so charitable then they might want to kind of dip their feet into the competitive pool and and get some of that love for themselves how how, how does that sound
1: Well, no i think that's i think what you're saying makes absolute sense it's it's true i mean you see it all the time with you know with twitter but what was this there was a situation i believe not too long ago um about a couple, I I think the couple was either in Ghana or in South Africa, I'm I'm leaning towards South Africa, but I'm not sure. Um, But it was an African couple. um, The man had taken his his girlfriend to a KFC to propose to her. So you know, they started he got flack, because you know, I mean, it's who proposes at a KFC, you know what I mean? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And so he got flagged for that. A lot of people, not not like negative, people weren't being mean. They were just, you know, ribbing and making fun of him here and there. But one thing happened and KFC stepped in and decided, asked, decided they were going to pay for the wedding. Or, you know, yeah, just do that. And um, if Man, not gotta pay for pro- the wedding.
0: I, I, I got to propose <laughs> in McDonald's or something.
1: <laughs> and then have people make fun of you. That, that's, that's how it works. And then
0: in an undershirt in an undershirt and,
1: so, an undershirt. <laughs> and, and sweatpants
0: <laughs> it's like i don't care i'm gonna have the who best who is this darn, homeless I'll, man let's uh, give him some money i'll have the best damn wedding ever
1: <laughs> amen brother so they they uh they decided to either pay for the wedding or pay for a large portion of the wedding but here it didn't stop there immediately kfc did this Another company did this, and another company did this, and another company. So next thing you know, people were offering them cakes, free cakes, um, have, offering them a honeymoon, offering them, you know, a first car or whatever it may be, and they just got a buckload of stuff from so many people. And uh, this is this is an effect, okay? It's it's it's, it's this, it's this, you know, um, it's it's an effect. It's like a it's like a, a, a what's it called a. a um, like domino yeah 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 domino effects so in the sense of when one large corporation pays attention to um either a person or a situation and throws money at it and the public responds with awe, other large corporations wants to get in on that and do something as well
0: Mm, yeah
1: so but so if large corporations are doing it's not it's 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 not Hard to believe that human beings. I mean, large corporations are going to run by human beings. So this is just human nature, but being expressed in you know in the body of a large corporation. So human beings naturally want to do this, but here here here's here's a, here's the thing, when 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 something like this is done, and for this specific reason of the public's aff- affirmation and love towards um, uh, towards them. I, I don't mind it. I think it's fine because, first of all, that couple, their lives, their life has changed. You know, yeah, they saved a lot of money for that wedding. They've been giving a lot of things, so their life has changed, and I I love that. But here's the thing: I'm still I'm still as cynical. I'm still as cynical as the day I was born. And here, so because <laughs> when I when I first came out of the womb, I <laughs> cried. So like, I don't want to be here. <laughs> so, um, so, I I think that. It's good because it helps a lot of people libraries are built, lives are changed um, in institutions are built, schools are built. but at the end of the day it's not it's not because not often and it's a very a very hard to judge the content of a man's heart and so I don't um, I try not to do that. but the problem is that it's not for the right reason. It's not for the right reason, and I there is benefits, and I don't mind the benefits. I don't even mind them doing it because it doesn't matter to me. Right. But when I when I when I look at it critically, I have to say that I don't think it's for the right reason. If you want to if you want to do something for your community or for a people, you do it because of um, you do it because of benefit to them, not benefit to you. Now the benefits to you comes naturally out of, out of that. <laughs> Amen, brother. That's fine but um, but to go looking for hey we need to get our readings up with the public uh i see that we're down in the polls and so we need to go kiss more babies okay you know like no sure i guess that would work you know after kissing the babies your polls do go up but and the public do they think you're a wonderful person but the truth is in the end of, at the end of the day whether you are a good person or not you didn't do that specific action for the right reason
0: yeah, you, you are a hundred and ten percent right about that, and it even you know even connects to this idea in Judaism, like the highest form of mitzvah or good deed is a good deed that's performed when no one is watching and no one will ever find out, so it's done anonymously. Whereas yeah. all of all of the mechanisms I'm talking about are sort of tricking and you know just tricking people into doing really good things. And, and I guess my argument would be we kind of just have to meet people based on where they're at and based on their inherent nature. So, yeah. I think I think it's awesome that there are people who are intrinsically motivated, especially like I'll I'll tell you something like if somebody in your family has a particular disease or they died from it, then you have an intrinsic built in nature to give to that charitable cause because you were afflicted by it personally. Right. And that's, that's something that just organically happened to that individual. Like, Oh my Mm. goodness, I lost this person to to breast cancer. And therefore I want to fund that, that research. And that's, that's fantastic. I think that with the people that are, are sort of being tricked or cajoled because their ratings are going to go up, and they'll they're, they're addicted. They you know we're all addicted to dopamine, right? We love that dopamine rush, and I, I would say that if we give these people a dopamine rush for being charitable or paying higher higher taxes or or you know paying their workers more, if that's like a dopamine rush that we can offer society. I think we just kind of have to play it. I I agree with you that. No, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree with you at the end of the day, it would have been nicer if that person would have just been like, Hey, I'm going to pay my workers a lot more because I too once was a low paid worker or I too once, you know, worked for minimum wage and I know how that feels and how hard it is to get by. It would be, that would be the better road. I, I agree with you. I think though that, getting building in these incentive structures for adulation and for glory i guess if you want to call it to get people to take upon collective action and again voluntarily because i i think when we get to that you know you will be a part of the collective you will sacrifice comrade i think when we we get to that (laughs) when we when we get to that level well then that person becomes resentful and then they fight back but if they if they kind of see someone else doing it And then they feel that sense of guilt or that sense of like, well, I want to be in this race as well. Just, just like with the KFC example, right? If somebody forced KFC, you will pay for that man's wedding, you know, KFC, I've been like, get the hell away from me. Like, uh, you know, like don't tell me what to do, but then, you know, KFC saw this other company doing it and it it just, they were were the first one. Oh yeah. yeah, Right. So KFC did it. And then some other company saw that and they wanted to get into that glory pool. I think why not like if this if this is what motivates people and this is what gives them dopamine rushes i think that's just a lever that we need to, to pull and push it's i not, i yeah.
1: yeah i totally agree so the, the way i see it that's how every that's how a wise king operates i think that in order to be in order to deal with this world i think there it's just a shrewd it's a shrewd decision it's still a wise decision on the person who's so let us say you had the power to make policy and you made policy that worked like this and it actually ended up working Well, that was just shrewd on your part you understood the nature of humans you understood the nature of um the the, the basic urges the basic human urges and how we what we desire and you used that to bring an outcome that was beneficial to the society that's yeah, it's shrewdness. It's it's wisdom. It's a, it's a kind of wisdom. It's a it's a it's a sharp, cutting edge wisdom that's um that uses basically, and that we do it all the time. You know, we do it all. The, I mean, even excuse me. I mean, what is it called? Uh, having prisoners work work for the nation. And, an incredibly cheap price we say well that's uh that's uh that's just immoral well yeah sure whatever but it's still pretty shrewd because what you're doing there is you are taking you're taking these people who have committed crimes and been removed from society right Mm -hmm. and society doesn't really pay attention to them so what you do is you take them and you say you put them to work to you know to um to other you're basically selling them out to work for other companies and work for the States. Now, this is where it things, you know, this word cutting edge, you know, that kind of wisdom it's, 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 just sharp. It's really, it's, it's sharp. And to the points where people say, well, so is it right? Or is it wrong? Well, I don't, I don't know, but it is sharp. It's a smart, it's a smart thing. It just, it's it, once, once you understand basic human nature, basic, um, once you have a basic understanding of what humans are like, then um it, it's it's it, it it works
0: you know th- this what you just said actually reminds me of a, a famous study that was done uh during the first world war and believe it or not it is very difficult for one man to voluntarily kill another man and, and there was a famous study done in world war one where they actually like calculated the number of bullets fired, and they actually concluded that a lot of soldiers were just firing randomly into the sky or randomly not hitting people because they didn't actually want
1: to kill. kill.
0: Yeah, they didn't want to kill. It's actually not within our nature to to do that. Our individuality, our individual morals tell us it doesn't matter if that person's a German, it doesn't matter if they're a part, you know, I don't want to. So what what the U.S. government kind of did is they launched all of these propaganda campaigns making Germans appear like monsters or like uh you know coming up with all these slang words like huns and 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 all sorts of other derogatory terms to kind of dehumanize the enemy and what they found and they also while they were doing that they also Built up, you're a part of the collective. We're, you're here to defend democracy. You're here to defend the free world. You know, and the more that they kind of peddled that stuff up, where the individual soldier felt, "Hey, I'm a part of this mission, this crusade to defend the free world." And you know, the same thing was actually done during the Crusades. Like, it's, it, yeah, it's not, it's not within. An individual, you know, an individual Christian may not care about overtaking Jerusalem and taking back the Holy Land, but Pope Urban II said, You are a part of, of, of restoring God's glory and all, all of this, restoring all of this wonder to the world. And that kind of tricked man into going against his very nature in order to become a killing machine, because he thought that he was a part of the collective or something grander than, than himself. So it can be used that this collective trickery can be used for wonderful things like getting corporations to pay higher taxes but can also be used for very fiendish purposes if we're not careful
1: yeah absolutely i mean that's it's it's <laughs> it's, it's the way of it's the it's it's the way we are i mean most of our tell me i show me anything in this world a man invents or the way or thought by men that can't be used for both evil and good the thing is the thing about it is you know Humans, humans having to demonize one another before they are able to, I mean, it's much easier to pull a trigger on a demon than it is, or an animal than it is on, a, on an actual human being, because we, we tend to, you know, I mean, and we do, it's not just at war, it's not just in war that we do this. We do this every day, right? So, so believe it or not, Republicans are not animals, and they're not like, you know, crazy people, and liberals aren't, you know, like nut jobs out there who are, you know um just ready to i don't know destroy the country but we say things like that you know um left and right's always fighting always fighting and you're always calling each other names and then they're always reinforcing their ideas with one another while at the same time demonizing the other. so we have very derogatory or very insulting and I, I don't think insults are bad i think insults are perfectly fine when dealing with um um when dealing with opposition, but there's a certain kind of how are you saying, there's a, there's a smart insult and there's a very um, there's a very dangerous kind of insult in the sense of when you call somebody when you repeatedly call somebody um, like a dog it, it changes it changes the ma- the nature of the insult because you, you, you there are a couple of things insults are trying to accomplish they're actually actually trying to you know in insults often especially amongst guys we use it to endear ourselves to each other we call each other all kinds of names so that we tell each other we're friends believe it or not that's how we communicate that's how we say hey you're my friend so I'm calling you an, an idiot you know, <laughs> now, now, now this
0: is very interesting with the example you just used, because it reminds me of the phrase politics is war, and which which is which it always has been and it's getting perhaps it even is. worse. And it actually uses the World War One strategy because you, one, demonize your opponent, even, you know, even if it's just a minutiae. Issue about building a road or something. No, no, that that man is a buffoon, and they're they're just trying to take over the world. Blah blah blah. So you're you're using the demon the demonization strategy, but yeah. then you're also reinforcing you're a part of the progressive or you're a part of the conservative effort to restore democracy and blah blah so,
1: righteousness.
0: Yeah, righteousness. Thank you, my friend. So I see both of those things going in there. So now that I'm I'm really thinking about this clearly. And I'm glad that we went through war and politics to kind of come out on the other end. I think that maybe collectivism can be used to get the individual to do good things that they may not do on their own, but the individual is a check on the collective to make sure that the collective is not doing batshit crazy stuff. So maybe yeah. maybe the two things are kind of going hand in hand with one another.
1: Well, that's 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 how it starts. That's how it usually starts. But the, the collective usually becomes far more powerful than the individual because it's the collective. One one man can never fight a thousand men. It's just unless the man is like freaking Hercules, right? <laughs> There is no way he's fighting a thousand men. Well, welcome to so- Truth
0: Island. That's what we do here, man. We fight the collect. <laughs> 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 they
1: will string. They will string us up, man.
0: <laughs> so they, they- bring it on, collective. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I think I think that you know usually there is in the beginning you have that individual who has that power to check the collective. Um, you have this usually with the, you know, the initial C- CEO of a company. You have the um, um, you have the uh, how you say the governor of the of the whole of the whole states, whatever it may be. But when the people when the people lose when the people lose their identity, when the people become the hive mind, we are hive. It becomes almost impossible to check them anymore because now they are—they are—they are not only you know greater in number. They have a collected mission. they co- they have a yeah a, um, a collected ideology that usually turns anybody who is in opposition into an enemy. And if you are the enemy, and here's the thing about fighting. Here's the thing about when um, about calling your side righteous and the other side demons. Now, if if you and a friend fights over I don't know a girl or a video game, sure. If you fight and you still call him John or Bill whatever his name is, it's just a fight. You mm-hmm, fight, yeah. you duke it out and it's done. You walk away or if you're good friends, you end up laughing about it and you know you're you're back together. It's a fight, it's done. It has an end. When it's, a, when, it's a, when it's a righteous versus demons, there is no end. The only end is death, is destruction of the demons, whoever the demons are. But here you have two sides that are they think they're righteous and think the other side are demons simultaneously, which means that there is no bridge anymore. There is no, unless of course, there's still, there. there might still be an opportunity for a bridge to be made. But what you're doing is you're making a holy war and the only the only way a holy war comes to an end is if the infidels or the demons or the 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 spawns of satan whatever it may be are totally eradicated and that's incredibly dangerous
0: yes absolutely i so i want to i want to tackle one thing about our like you know to kind of close off here about what our rugged individuals can do when when the collective has been corrupted I think there's many – I think the way to look at it is this. If you're a rugged individual and you're in the wrong – because not every – by the way, not every rugged individual is a saint. There are some rugged individuals who are just flat out weird and wrong and just are not not saying anything of use. And I yeah. think I don't want to, like, ascribe the most saintly characteristics to any given loner. Some loners are mad weird and, and – <laughs> Mad a David. lot of
1: loners. That's why they're loners.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. Like you know, not not every loner is like this wondrous <laughs> philosopher who has a great, he's going to help us. So I, I think no, he the, can be the Unabomber. Yeah, exactly. Right. So I, I think that one thing, one piece of advice I heard, you know, recently is like for the individual to go up to the collective, don't go against the collective. Don't, don't fight some Twitter war or, or like, you know, take on some mob of, of unruly people. Um, you know, I, I think of like, like Jordan Peterson or someone just going in front of a crowd of people and just arguing with, it's like, that's not how you convert people. It's just not going to work, right? No it's the way. The way that you can kind of convert people Is just talking to other individuals and and just pulling them aside because i think when a person you know when other eyes and ears are watching then that person is going to respond to what the group wants them to say and do but if you're like hey my friend how about you and i just go for a long walk today or let's go for a cup of tea just you and me and you actually have a conversation with that person one of two things might happen you may you may find out that well, like all right well hold on this rugged individual actually has something good to say or maybe me as a rugged individual is wrong maybe the collective is right you know and that that could be the case so i think that that's a good testing mechanism is for for rugged individuals to go out there start pulling people away from the herd testing their ideas maybe some of those yeah. ideas will blow up and they're foolish maybe some of those ideas will stick But I think having those individuals is incredibly useful to society to test out bad ideas and to test out incredibly good ideas. Because we need people to be stuck in the hive mind in order to build pyramids and do other, you know, things that we want to accomplish. I get that. But we also need rugged individuals to kind of test-proof the system and make sure that the system is doing virtuous things and not doing horrendous things and just, you know mindlessly coming up with new ways to kill each other or do anything like that um and i i think if we get that balance right that this this could work man um kenny thank you so much for being on the show today
1: oh no worries thank you for having me Aaron.
0: this concludes the 121st episode of the truth island podcast i'm aaron Azrod.